What's going on, everybody? This is Brian Ward of the Dad Up Podcast, the podcast show for dads about dads being dads. I am super excited about the guest that I have on today. But before we get to that, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very, very much for joining me today. I have a very special guest with me, and I'm really excited about this interview because it's a very important topic that's really start to, um, you know, starting to, starting to uh, this movement of uh, human trafficking is really becoming more known to people. And I think this guest is important because he not only has a family, but he's also involved in an important organization that helps with human trafficking. He's just written a book. And uh, so I'm really excited for him to share his story. But Alan Smith, thank you very much for joining me today, brother. Brian, it's a privilege to be with you. I love what you're doing with this podcast. So I'm, I'm honored to be here. Awesome. Thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, I'm really pumped up for this interview. Um, I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be informative, uh, but fun. And also, um, it's going to help people really understand the impact that is going on, not only in our country, but also across the world. Um, you know, I've been a part of another organization, uh, believe it or not, that uh, know who you are, know who your organization is. They're called Youth Underground. Uh, and they're an org- uh, 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 international organization um, that helps with uh, human trafficking as well. So uh, I'm really excited for uh, the information that we're going to go over uh, for my listeners, for my viewers. Please pay close attention uh, because this is a problem um, and it may not be, uh, you may not think is, is as big as it really is, but it's starting, as I said uh, before, it's starting to really uh, become uh, a major issue and it's starting to, to you know, be noticed on the news and things like that. There are more people talking about it is my point. And so I think this is uh, going to be informative. Um, it's, not, it's not an interview that is to uh, scare you. Uh, it's not an interview to scare your kids. Uh, it's really an interview to just kind of bring uh, this topic to the table and kind of help uh, educate us all, including myself, uh, on this problem. So, um, Alan, for my listeners who don't know who you are, let's go through a little bit of back history of you, kind of how you grew up and all that, and then where it's transitioned to to who you are today. Uh, your book and all that. And then also, obviously, this is the dad podcast. So also about your own family as well. So um, let's go ahead and run through that. So my listeners get a chance to know who you are. Yeah, that's great. Uh, um, I was uh, raised up in Northern California in the Bay Area in San Jose. Up there, I met my now wife of 37 years. Uh, We got married up there and I went to work for um, a faith-based organization called Young Life up there was uh, doing that, which is basically reaching out to all kinds of kids everywhere. And um, in, in the year 2001, right when 9-11 happened, um, we had just moved down to Southern California with Young Life. And um, in the process there, had two kids. I have a son and a daughter. Both are grown and out of the house. And um, it's really fun to have adult children if you can get that far. <laughs> you younger dads, don't worry, it's coming. And uh, it's really fun to do that. Um, uh, after 25 years on the Young Life staff, uh, it was time to transition and have a different challenge, a different thing to do. And I didn't know much about human trafficking. And to say I didn't know much would mean I was aware of the concept of human trafficking. I didn't, I didn't really know any of the details, the nuances. I didn't, 
you know, when, you, when I heard something called child trafficking, people have heard that term, mo like most people, you know, now still, I mean, it's changing a bit, like you just mentioned, I'm thinking Thailand, Cambodia, you know, something like that. I didn't realize that it was in our country in a big way with our U.S. born American kids. And so um, I cold called Saving Innocence is the name of the organization that I'm executive director for now, six years ago, about seven years ago, I called them. And um, we're at savinginnocence.org for anyone who wants to check it out. We have resources and videos to, to continue, you know, the process of learning more about it. But anyway, I cold called him and I, I heard this story that riveted me. Now I'm a dad with a daughter, as I mentioned, and you don't have to be a dad and you don't have to have a daughter to care about this. But most of the young victims of sex trafficking are little girls, sadly. And so I was immediately taken with this work. And it, it sort of felt like everything that I had learned, the people that I had known, the experiences that I had had thus far were coming together right now for this moment to jump all in with this organization. Now, the funny thing is, is that the, it wasn't a job interview. They weren't hiring. There was no, there was no money to hire any another person. They were kind of a shoestring budget. And uh, so we just kept talking after a few months and, uh, and it turns out I joined their team. That was six years ago. And, and we focused on, as I mentioned, the child victims of sex trafficking. Now there's no, there's no acceptable version of human trafficking. It's actual slavery. It's the, called the modern day slavery where another person is asserting ownership over a different person and compelling them to do what they don't want to do, which is slavery. Through the, the federal definition uses words like force, fraud, and coercion through one of those means, usually a mixture of them all. And so compelling a child to be available for some version of sex for what usually a grown man, uh, six, eight, 10, 12, 15 times every single day, mm. Um, when I say child, the average age of entry is about 12 years old, mm. 12, 13 years old. Our youngest kiddo at Saving Innocence, we met her a couple of years ago and she was seven years old. Oh my goodness. This is not a far and distant problem in another land that you're never going to go to. This is our neighborhoods. This is every zip code. This is the United States of America. We are allowing this to happen to our children. And um, so we're on call around the clock and we show up in the middle of the night and step into the recovery process of one of these kids. We're based in Los Angeles, but we train and consult around the country. So, um, so that, that, I mean, that's a, that's a natural, a lot to jump off in there, Brian, but um, been here six years. It's my honor and privilege to be in this space. We have a little sign at our office that says, can you believe we get to do this? Mm. We get to step into the life in the most vulnerable moment of a incredibly vulnerable child and uh, help that child, most of them are little girls, begin to gain their life back and rehumanize re them because they've been dehumanized at a prolific um, rate of speed. So yeah. there I am. Yeah. Um, why do you think it, this, thank you for sharing that. Why do you think this is such a major problem? Why do you think this has become such a major issue? Not only like, like you had said, like I had said earlier, uh, internationally, but also, you know, in our own country, in our own neighborhoods. Why do you think this has become such a problem? Well, the United States is the largest producer and consumer uh, in, in the sex industry in general. So for whatever reason, uh, there's a high level of mostly men. There are women involved in every facet of this of this crime and this tragedy. But for whatever reason, it's majority of men, broken men. They've gone down a path of 
uh, addiction, some kind of a sex addiction. They, they're, they've been entranced after hours at their phone and their computer looking at some version of pornography, many of them, and they've gone down a path and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Like with any addiction, you need a little bit more to achieve the same high. Mm -hmm. And uh, those that have gone down that path um, find themselves down this dark rabbit hole where they're eventually wanting to buy some time with someone. And, and some, some of these men are really are looking for children, younger um, little girls, some of them not necessarily, but it's, it's the path that they're going down. And I mean, that's probably a, a, a two or three or four podcast episodes to kind of break all that down, but it's broken men giving themselves over to lust, to uh, selfishness, to addiction. Um, and not necessarily other than this, which is a big thing, but upstanding members in the community. Like I, I talked to a former buyer recently. He's now reformed and he's out doing the good fight. He's all, I wasn't a bad guy. Like I wasn't an evil person. Um, I was broken and I was addicted and, and I was, I was wounded as a child. And, you know, all those kinds of things were playing into his path that he went on. And it's, it's hard to get your mind around it. I mean, I could tell you things that would, you know, make the hair on the back of your neck stand up in terms of what we've encountered with what these children have experienced. So there is a dark, ugly version that's really dark and ugly and painful, but you know, they're, they're the little league coaches and, and, and your dentist and a cop and a pastor and your neighbor. And it, it's not some scrunchy looking guy living on a, in a van down by the river. Right. It's, it's, it's an upstanding member of society. You don't know that it happens. And I would suggest that, all these members that are watching the data podcast and listening, you men, you all know someone who buys sex hmm. and you just don't know it. Or maybe you do. I mean, it's not as far away as you think. Right. Yeah. I mean, when I think about it, you know, we always uh, put the term sex trafficking behind the word. We put sex behind in front of the word trafficking, but it doesn't necessarily have to deal always with that. It could be other forms. Like you said, you know, it's kind of a form of slavery, right? I mean, it's, yeah. what other forms are there besides, you know, just sex trafficking? Well, the two big buckets are sex trafficking and labor trafficking, sort of forced labor and, you know, compelling someone to work in a, maybe a massage parlor or a bakery or something for, you know, 18 hours a day, making almost no money. And, and that usually involves um, someone who is trying to immigrate to this country and they don't have all the paperwork together. And now people are, uh, the, the trafficker is threatening to deport them and turn them in and they've got their kids and they've made it here. And so um, they're forced to work in slave conditions. That's labor trafficking. The biggest you know, percentage of trafficking, probably 80% in our country anyway, is sex trafficking because that's, that's what the major appetite is. Yeah. Now, um, as far as your book, what, what was the, what was the, driving force behind the book yeah no that's and, that, and that's what we come to this conversation and uh, i'm having as many conversations with men as i can various dad podcasts and fatherhood podcasts and all those kinds of things so i'm grateful for you to have me on your podcast you. because i have an urgent i have an urgent message for men and the urgent message is that we are the problem uh when i came to saving innocence there's a few things that i learned very very quickly uh, oh, I'm the only man here. <laughs> there's no, there's no men in the room. I'm the only one. Um, I go to some training, you know, awareness event that some church is putting on on a Saturday in their community. 
and there's 300 people in the room and there's about five men and probably two or three of them are the are work at the church. There's just, there's just no men. There's a bunch of strong, brave, awesome women fighting right. this and doing whatever they can do. So you stack that on top of um, most of the buyers are men. Most of the sellers or the traffickers are men. Men are the problem. And there's almost no men as part of the solution. And then I went to one of these events years ago with my co-author, Jessica Midkiff, who is um, a, a survivor of trafficking herself. And we, we wrote this book, Men Fight For Me. And we're sitting, I'm sitting in the audience. She's on the stage in a panel and the woman next to her um, starts discussing her trauma and what, what happened with her. And in the middle of it, she grabbed a hold of my attention. There was 200 people in the room. But she says, um, I could no longer fight for myself. I needed someone to fight for me. And it's sort of like all the bells went off. It's like, there it is. Men are the problem. There's almost no men in this part of the solution. I, as a man, have seen things. And now I've learned things that most men haven't seen and don't, haven't learned. And now I have a trafficking survivor saying, I needed someone to fight for me. Well, okay, I'll fight for you. And I'll fight for you and you and you. And I'll see how many good men I can get to fight with me. And so that the book, then the essence of the book was formed probably honestly that, that afternoon. And uh, I mean, that was several years ago. It's a, it was a slow burn of us, you know, coming together and tinkering with it and getting all the voices in there that needed to be in there. And uh, it's, it's a book for everybody. A lot of women are reading it and loving it. It's, there's a really educational survivors telling their stories, but a good 20% of the book ish is me and my male voice looking every man in the eye figuratively <laughs> and saying, come on guys, we can do better. We need to do better. It starts at home. It starts with our own life. It starts with how we treat our wives. It starts with how we treat our little girls and our, and our sons. We're absolutely critical in this global pandemic. We use the word pandemic, so it's probably not the right word. This global epidemic of modern slavery, of sex trafficking, it starts in our home and we have a role to play. And so that's kind of how the book came. We're helping um, resource as many people, but with a special emphasis on men on this problem and what they can do. Yeah. And wouldn't you agree that uh, children that are um, subjected to this type of uh, slavery uh, typically come from broken homes, right? They typically come from homes that don't have a strong parental figure uh, that is protecting them. No, that's really true. Um, and as well as the buyers, and as well as the traffickers, there's a common denominator that many of them are coming from early childhood abuse. Many of them were neglected and abused. And, the, and these young victims were, many of them were thought of as a sex object from the age of three years old, from mm -hmm. the people that were closest to them, their family, an uncle, a cousin, a neighbor, they began to be abused by the very people that were supposed to protect them and take care of them. And that did something to the inside of their mind and, and their, as they're forming who they are and who they aren't, it expanded boundaries in their life. It created dysfunctions. Now with the benefit of you know, advanced neuroscience, it, it, there's a rewiring that happens um, when you experience that kind of abuse as an adolescent. And so that, that's sadly, that's not all. Um, the, there, there are the versions of uh, you know, an out a kidnapping like you would see on the movies, thrown in a van. Not as much, but there is some of that. Um, the woman that I mentioned that said, I need someone to fight for me. She came from a great two-parent household. The childhood every child would have liked to have had. She wouldn't have been a college. A fraudulent modeling agent approached her with a three-piece suit and a business card and said, you've got what it takes. Join my agency. 
she did. She gave her personal information of like where she lived and everything. And then that trafficker immediately said, uh, I'm going to kill your parents and your roommate if you don't do exactly what I tell you to do right now. Think about wow. that predicament. Wow. And it's like, I mean, she was well adjusted. She was not a 12 year old. She was 19 or 20. She came from a great family with a dad who loved her. Like she sounds like my daughter went away to college and had every advantage at home. And I just put myself in her place. What would my daughter have done if some person with bad intentions said they were going to kill me and my wife and her brother if she didn't perform the way that she he wanted her to do? Like what, what a hell that these young people are being forced to exist in and live in. Hmm. So it's a tragedy of epic proportions. Um, for all of us. Now, I know that we are talking, let me just reiterate to everybody, because this is a real, as I said before, this is a real important conversation that we need to address. And um, so I thank you for being on and, and sharing this, but, you know, some of these, some of these things that he's talking about that Alan's talking about are, you know, they sound horrific and, and they are, but, um, this is important. So I want you guys, please, as I said earlier, please pay attention because this is really a major problem. And uh, as horrific as it may sound, there are things that we can do, uh, not only as um, like for Alan's sake, he's a role model to these uh, people that he's helping, but he's also a role model to his own kids who are now obviously grown. I have two grown boys myself, but <clears throat> we're focusing a lot on you know, there's a major problem with girls that are being, um, you know, put into this situation. But there are times when it's not just girls, it's boys, too. Um, for me as a dad, and this is just talking for my own for, for my own personal experiences as, as raising two men that are now, you know, 23 and 20. For a dad that has maybe boys, what kind of conversations or what should I be doing as a dad of boys to protect them from this type of situation? Yeah, that's a great question. The, ma the majority of these young victims are little girls, um, but there are little boys that are being swept into this. It looks a little different. Um, I, I would say as a dad with, I have one son and you, you too, and all the dads out there with sons, raise them from a young age to be good, strong young men of character and strength. They're, more of the, more of the, challenge I have for men is to raise your boys uh, to stand against this exploitive culture, to take a stand and um, treat women, young girls as they're young and as they grow older, treat them with respect, look them in the eye, don't want anything in return. We can go down that uh, conversation if you like. We, we go into, in the book, Men Fight For Me in chapter four, it's called Man to Man. And that's why I lay out the four pillars of authentic masculinity, like give, and I, I talk about what we did with my son, with some buddies and their sons. And when they started about age five, um, you know, we decided to quote, give them the gift of clarity. Okay. What is a real man? What is a man? No one knows. Is it the first time they have sex? Does that make them a man? That's what maybe the music would say. Is it, you know, an age? Is it when they turn 18 or 21? Like, what is it? No one knows. And so we laid out from an early age, here's what it means to be a real man. And we walked through that with age appropriate conversations, um, you know, throughout their adolescence. Um, I would say that's the biggest challenge. Now, in terms of protection, as you mentioned, I'd say it'd be the same thing for your whether you have a daughter or a son. Uh, that smartphone you gave your teenager, that's your phone. It's not his phone or her phone. You, you bought it. You, you're paying for it. That makes it yours. 
from if you haven't given it yet, you have younger kids on that day when you decide it's time to give them that phone, just start with on day one. This is my phone. I own it. I'm paying for it and I'm letting you borrow it for as long as that seems appropriate. And, and because it's mine and I'm letting you borrow it, I get to look at it anytime I want. I'm going to see what apps are on there. Um, and, to, and, and the same thing with, you know, your the computer in your home, uh, video games that now you can talk to other people. Dads have to be vigilant with all of this because the FBI tells us there's at least 900,000 predators mm-hmm. online. Wow. Uh, the, the technology that we so enjoy and we're enjoying right now having this conversation is wonderful. There's some, some amazing benefits, so many amazing benefits. They're also in those same one or two seconds it took for us to log on and talk right now is the most filthy, vile, disgusting, abusive content possible. And there's predators. Now, you know what a predator does? You've seen the National Geographic. A lion is slinking down in the tall grass, downwind. There's a strategy to it. And when that young, weak one comes by, he pounces. That same thing is happening with a million, at least a million. And that's actually, that stat's a little bit old. There's a bunch of predators, maybe a million predators, maybe more that are masquerading as somebody else on the internet, on social media, and they're luring your son or your daughter in having conversations that you don't know about. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to create a big, you know, nightmare horror story, but honestly, it's absolutely brutal out there. And um, dads need to stand up in a big way and be strong and vigilant and uh, out of relationship with your child, have the conversations, interpret life, interpret social media, sit on the couch next to them when a commercial comes on that is, looks like they're selling sex, but they're really selling hamburgers. Like what is happening right now? Hit the pause, have a conversation, age appropriate conversation about what's happening in that commercial and help everyone to understand the warning signs of the exploitive culture that is creeping in and pouncing in on all of us. Yeah, I think that's important. Conversations obviously are very important that we should have with our kids from a very, starting from a very young age. Um, this, you know, I've, this episode or this interview that we're having right now, um, it's not to scare you, but it is to scare you because it's, it's to kind of open you up to, hey, you know what? We think about, you know, things happening to other people and we go that, well, that would never happen to my family. That would never happen here, you know, but it can, and it's very easy to, especially with technology, it's very easy for it to happen. So I think those conversations are super important. And one of the things that I talk a lot about on my show for our kids, um, when they're, when they're interacting with other people, it could be other kids, uh, other adults. But it's important to know who they're interacting with. And, and for my own uh, boys, um, for the friends that they had growing up, you know, in grade school, you know, our kids go off to grade school and they're away from us typically eight hours of the day. They're away and they're, they're under the care of another adult. They're under the uh, kind of the surroundings of other kids. Um, but it's important to know who your, who your kids' friends are. Um, and I, I go a step further. My wife and I went a step further as parents, but we wanted to know not only who our kids friends were but we wanted to know who the parents of the kids that my kids were hanging out with because kids will emulate their parents kids will kids are kind of a direct reflection of who their parents are so I think that if little Billy comes over here and he's super nice and super cordial and polite and I could say wow he's a really good kid I want my kid hanging out with him but then you meet his parents and they're a complete train wreck you know that little Billy's probably a train wreck outside of the home when he's not around adults. And so I want to know, and I, and I say that, you know, I'm, I'm really 
kind of jokingly, but I'm not. I mean, it's it's one of it's an important issue that parents need to understand that listen, you can know who your kids are hanging out with and you can know think that they're good kids, but you really need to know who the parents are too. That's super important because like you said, it could be anybody, it could be our neighbor, it could be anybody that we know that could be involved in this kind of situation. And if you don't know who they are, um, but you know their kids, that could be an issue. And so I think it's super important. A hundred percent. There are kids' homes uh, that that your child probably shouldn't be allowed to go spend time at. You're not necessarily making a big statement on the home, but we're just not going to go to that home because of X, Y, and Z. Depending on how old your kid is, you're going to tell them whatever you need to tell them. Um, absolutely. Uh, my, my wife and I made it a point to make sure our house was one of the destination homes for my, my son and all his friends and daughter. And so, you know, we had fun things to do here. We had a ping pong table in the garage and we had, you know, a, a big screen TV where they could play video games and, you know, all those kinds of things. We wanted our house to be the go-to. We didn't right. want somebody else's house to be the go-to because then our son and daughter is going to want to go hang out somewhere else. So, yeah, my, my, now my son was naturally a little bit more kind of social than my daughter was um, at, in his junior high and high school years. I mean, there was a six year run where there was five nights a week or days and nights, there were two to 15 kids at our house, like all the time. <laughs> and uh, they're playing games and they're any big sporting event, you know, they're watching it here and we got pizza coming out. And it was just like, I want my kid and his friends. We didn't ever force them. You don't have to be here. We just made the house a place where everybody wanted to come. And uh, I'd like to think they all felt uh, welcomed and loved and valued. And I think that was true, but also we made sure that we had enough fun things to do where it's a, it a good place to be to hang out. And uh that was way better than who knows where they are. Right. Doing yeah. I, I, I knew parents that did that. I knew parents that actually, you know, they, they remodeled their house and they put yeah. stuff in the backyard, you know, whether it's a pool or whatnot. And they, used to, I had parents that actually told me when my kids were younger, they told me, Hey, we're doing this. So that way our kids come over and they can bring their friends. And now they're in our environment and we know they're safe and they're protected. And, you know, I think of two individuals in particular that I remember having this conversation with, they were both police officers and they did that because they wanted it not to, not to just have this control of their kids, but really just to know that they're safe and they bring their kids, their friends over here. Great. Well, they have a good time. We know they're here. They're not off somewhere else uh, doing so whatever it is they, they're doing. Um, I do want to touch on one thing though, real quick. Um, I know that uh, there's laws out there that, you know, I, you're, you're in Los Angeles, you know, California laws are kind of a joke right now uh, when it comes to um, protecting victims um, it seems like a lot of the laws that have been going on, especially in Southern California, but uh, in California in general, that really are protecting criminals. Um, yeah. Why? I mean, it's a problem. Can you talk a little bit about that and the laws that are that are really supposed to be protecting victims, but ultimately are ended up protecting the criminals? It's incredibly frustrating in, in the work that I do specifically. We're taking care of these child victims of sex trafficking. And um, the, these traffickers aren't playing. Uh, we've literally had a dozen of our kids be murdered mm. over this last year. Uh, a couple of them in the big news. They, I don't know how far they went out, but it was like um, 
I don't I don't understand it. It's absolutely frustrating. But I, I think from the point of view of a particular district attorney that might be choosing to prosecute or not prosecute certain cases, um, we're, we, as a country, we've gone through these last couple of years, a lot of civil unrest, a lot of racial injustices that were played out and and people are trying to um, some people, some police forces, some district attorneys, some mayors, some governors, whatever they're, they're trying to maybe in my opinion, overcompensate and what they think is helping the black and brown communities is actually hurting. The 80% of our young victims are uh, little girls of color. And so now when you don't prosecute the buyers and you don't prosecute the traffickers, you dismiss all the cases because you think that's somehow writing some kind of a wrong that's been created in uh, civil unrest and injustice, you're actually harming the victim. Um, so it, it is true and there are, it's, it's played out in the news and we see crime is running crazy in our country. Um, the word has got out. It's no big deal anymore to, you know, run in and steal stuff or carjack or abuse a child. No one's right. going to say that out loud, but that's the effects of some of the lack of prosecution and whatnot. It's, it's incredibly it frustrating. And it has kind of a trickling effect because if, if victims know that nothing's really going to be done or let's just, yeah. let's just take parents, for instance, you know, their, their child has fallen victim to this and the parents don't want to prosecute or don't want to put their child through this kind of torment of, of, you know, the, our, our court system, our justice system. Um, so it has a trickling effect when we're thinking about it, that, you know what, he might get probation or he might get, you know, find or maybe it's a very small uh, jail sentence. I don't want to put my child through that. I really don't want to do that. I'd rather just let it go away, start to protect my child. Um, what, I mean, what do you say to parents that kind of give you that kind of feedback? I would say we need to step, all of us as adults, parents and otherwise, need to step into our role of protectors, not enablers and fill in the blank with what, who you're talking about. So we need to protect our children. We need to protect our society and our culture. That's gotta be number one. We have to step into that. And in order to do that, you have to say, no, certain things are not gonna happen, period. And the people that do those things are gonna go to jail for a long time, period. We need the adults in the room to stand up and say, no more, not on my watch. This is not going to happen anymore. And for whatever reason, um, and, you know, this is probably a lot of men listening to your podcast for a lot, for whatever reason, far too many men have abdicated their role and their responsibility as a healthy version of a strong male who's willing to protect his community and his family. Um, we, we've walked away from that, so many of us as men. And I don't know why exactly, that's probably a complex conversation, but it, we're, I'm seeing the effects of it. I'm seeing the results of it every day when I go to work. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I think it's a, an issue that has uh, not only come from because of the, I guess, the injustices that are out there with the different laws and things that are, you know, and the and different district attorneys that are out there that are, aren't really um, taking things like this seriously, but it's, it is a major problem. Um, what do you think uh, parents can do now? So going forward, parents are like, okay, this is a bigger issue than what I really realized. For parents that it doesn't matter what 
age their child may be, what, what advice would you give to parents right now to protect our kids? And then also as a dad yourself, um, yeah. how did you protect your family and your kids and inform them of this kind of thing? Yeah. Uh, we, we did all the things that parents should do in terms of we had the spy software on our family computers. <laughs> we saw every keystroke that was typed on our computers. We did some of those entry level things. Um, we did let our kids know about social media and social media is really just kind of, um, you know, kind of coming in, coming in when my kids were that age. Um, we just out of relationship, uh, one of our child trafficking survivors, who's a great friend of ours, great friend of our family, said something really profound. She said, uh, kids aren't running to something. They're running from something. Mm. The kids will get caught up in all of this. And so my wife and I just worked really hard to have a positive relationship with our kids, an ongoing active relationship. We weren't just cohabitating a structure, getting them to school on time, go see another soccer game. We're like involved as humans and having conversation and relationship and interpreting things. That'll go a long way, especially as dads. Your, your young boys are desperately looking for what does it mean? I'm growing up. I'm starting to go through puberty or whatever age they're at. What does it mean to be a man? That's kind of back what I talked about a minute ago. He's looking at you, dad, to understand how he's supposed to treat women, how he's supposed to treat his wife. How, he's, how does he talk to the waitress at, at the restaurant? He's getting all that from you. Even though he's out of the house going to school, you're the biggest teacher in classroom in his life. And, and your little girls are desperate for what does it mean? How, how do I deserve to be treated? How should I be treated by a future boyfriend and a future husband? He's, she's going to get that from you, dads. She's going to watch you interact with your wife, her mother. She's going to see how you value and cherish your wife and mother. She's also noticing how do you talk to women that aren't your wife. She's noticing how you interact with the neighbors and the people out in public. And then, you know, in terms of protection, uh, dads, you may have to say, you may have to discontinue, you know, your HBO or your Showtime or whatever those things are that on your TV, that stuff comes on that mm -hmm. isn't appropriate for a child to see. What kind of music do you allow on their iTunes account? You know, there was a long time where when that was all just coming up, my son was starting to, you know, trade back and forth CDs in the day, CDs and, you know, swapping music. And I'd look at the stuff and okay, yeah, we're not having this music in our house. Here's the deal. And, um, you know, I'd come across a CD again, back when people had CDs, I'd just break it right in front of them say, we're not doing this. Now go apologize to your mother because this came on, we were driving in the car and we're not doing that as young men, as men. So we just need dads to be vigilant. Um, it's not rocket science, be involved in your kids' lives, treat your wife with love and care and attention and respect. Let your kids see that. Go on a date night, let your kids know you're getting a babysitter because you're taking your wife on a date night. So young man, you do that when you get older, uh, young daughter, find a guy that'll take you on a date night. And that's a priority. Like they'll just see it. You don't have to say it as much as just do it and then have the, have the controls, have the internet controls, um, watch the social media like a hawk, because that's where a lot of predators are lurking around in the shadows. And um, that's what I would encourage. And, you know, th this book, we do a lot. Um, we, there is some sections. We talk about parenting. We talk about being a husband and a dad. We do talk about those kinds that's of things. Cute. And there is, there is a chapter Here's the macro big things that you can be part of as a society. Here's the micro things that you right now look in the mirror. That's the name of the chapter. Look in the mirror. And we encourage uh, men to think differently and act differently. We give lots of examples. And then there's, uh, you know, back in the appendix, like here's 12 things you can do today, like right now to help mm -hmm. in all this process. We, we started a website called fightforme.net. 
and that's where the book can be found and all these resources and links to other, you know, people and other books and other podcasts and that kind of stuff. So we're just trying to urge men specifically, but all of society to open their eyes, see this. It's not far away. It's close. And we're trying to expand the boundaries of what is exploitation. Like most men, most of the men listening, I'm sure there are some, but most of the men listening right now aren't buying sex in the traditional way. Right. They're taking a step. They're listening to a good podcast. So this isn't for me, right? And that my kids are in a good home. It's not for them, right? It's for somebody else. And I want to say, no, that's my urgent message. It is for you. There's predators. The society we're living in is exploitive. It's, it's, it's vicious in some ways. And men want to think, okay, I'm not buying sex. I'm not going somewhere and renting someone for 30 minutes and doing something with her or him. Okay, that's good. How about the jokes you're laughing at and participating with, with your friends? How about the pornography that maybe you're dabbling in? Most of the people on that screen don't wanna be there. They're actually experiencing rape on that screen and we're gonna find that somehow enjoyable. So there's just this big ugly thing lurking in the shadows and it's closer than you think. And we need men to stand up. We don't be afraid of it. But we have to be aware of it and mm. uh, be proactive. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, let's see, I, I mean, so you, I mean, you know, let's unpack a lot of what you talked about there. You know, we're talking about our kids really, you know, emulating us as their parents from a very early age, from when they're just learning how to crawl they're seeing everything that we're doing. And I talk a lot about it on my show about more is caught than taught. And what I mean by that is that they're seeing everything and taking that in is that's how I'm supposed to be. And I talk with dads and say, Hey, listen, you need to be showing your kids, your sons, how to treat a woman by how you treat your spouse and how you treat other women. And then you need as dads with your daughters, you need to show your daughters Hey, your wife in particular, this is how we treat men. This is how you are to be respected. Uh, as I treat my wife, this is how my daughter is to be respected by a man. Those are all important factors that happen at a very, very early age. It doesn't have to be when they're teenagers. It can be when they're very, very young. And so it's a topic that we talk about a lot on my show, but it's super important because I don't think parents dads in particular, they really grasp it completely. And that's why I think it's such a, such an important issue. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that because it is, it is important. And I think as far as, you know, technology and social media, as we talked about earlier, that is all something that putting the controls on, there's a lot of technology out there now, uh, a lot of apps that are being developed or that are out there now that, that are ways to protect our kids. And it could be from something as simple as driving, driving a car. When my kids started driving, I got an app that kind of shows me where they're going, how fast they're driving, how hard they're braking, if they've been in an accident. There's apps out there that show you those types of things as a parent. That's not to be over protection. That's not to be over protecting our kids. That's to just make sure that they're okay. And that's a, that's a whole nother issue. We talk about, you know, parents say, I don't want my kids thinking I'm just, you know, being overprotective of them. How do I, how do I show them that I'm not being this overprotective parent? What, I mean, what would you say to that? If I tell you, Alan, listen, I get what you're saying. I hear all the things you're talking about, but if I do that with my kids, they're going to think I'm just being insane, overprotected, you know, parent, keeping them in a bubble. What, what advice would you give to parents that are thinking that? Um, 
I would say there's a reason to be protective. Um, if you knew everything I knew, <laughs> you would jump up several notches of your protection. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a there's an, a, an oppressive sort of micromanaging helicopter version that you don't want to be, and I'm not suggesting that. But there is a protection level, especially the younger they are, that's required of parents and, a, and of us dads. It's absolutely required. The world we live in requires us to do that. You know, years ago, my daughter, a, a young guy started hanging around my daughter and coming over to the house. And I didn't like the vibe he was sending. I started asking a few people that kind of knew him. Turns out he wasn't a good influence. So long story short, I, I ran him off. <laughs> and my daughter was so mad at me. And she says, Dad, why... Why can't I just make my own mistakes? Because I said it's been a mistake with this guy's mistake. And I said, think about what you're asking me to do. You're asking me to sit on the side of the bank of the river and watch you float down in an inner tube waving. I'm waving back all the while. I know around the corner is Niagara Falls. Like I know that. Mm. And you're asking me to wave at you under the umbrella of I'm going to let you make your own mistakes. I said, I, I can't do that. I I'm not going to do that. Um, my goal is not, my, my main goal is not to have you be happy with me all the time and you know like me in a sense my goal is as your dad is to provide and protect you mm. as, help you navigate through this life that's that's a higher priority so yeah you're going to tick your kids off a little bit by telling them they can't go to little joey's house they're not gonna be happy with it because everybody's going there they're going to be a little upset when you don't let them go on certain social media applications or whatever, not talk on the live video games with who knows who in the world is in their ear. You're not going to let them do that. They may not be happy with you for that. Oh, well, welcome to welcome to being a dad. Welcome to being parents. <laughs> it's not for wimps. We need you to step up. Uh, your kids desperately need you to step up and engage this violent world in front of them. You're the blocking fullback. Let them run. They're going to run, but you're the blocker. And you're going to block some of the, the forces that are they're coming at your children. They are, make no mistake, they're coming at your children. I don't know how fun. You said in the intro, it would be a fun conversation. I don't know if this is as much fun as I hope motivating for dads who have abdicated their responsibilities. They, they've, they're turning a blind eye. They're busy with their own world. They're trying to make the next business deal. They got their buddies they're playing golf with. All those things. None of them are bad per se in and of themselves. But so many guys have passively let this exploitive culture encroach in on their families and their sons and their daughters specifically without standing up and saying no to certain things and being proactive in it. And that's my message to as many men as I can get in front of. And the message of this book, it's not a man shaming book. It's not heaping burning coals and all the men that are doing bad things. It's not, it's follow me in my journey. I'm learning too. I'm a dad. And here's some things that I'm learning. Let me introduce you to some of my heroes, some of my friends, and they have a story to tell you. And embrace all of it, consume it all. And then you can figure out what the best tact is for your family and your, your kids. But we, we need to step up, Brian. There's no yeah. question. We need men to step up. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And um, I think that when I think about men stepping up as far as um, parenting goes for our kids, you're right. We're, we're not necessarily being this overprotective, I'm, like you said, this helicopter parent way. I don't want you to be that because that can just, that can create other issues, um, kind of going down the rebellious stage of kids' lives. Yeah. They, they start to become more, more rebellious when you become this helicopter parent. But as, as parents, you know, keep in mind, I, I raise my kids in a faith-based home. Keep in mind, our kids technically are not ours. They're on loan to us from God and God, I know this isn't a faith-based kind of show, but I'm talking that 
God has loaned us these kids to raise them and be in uh, under his eyes as his children. And we want to not only provide a, a roof over their head, food on the table and clothing on their back, but protecting them from things that happen in life. And we know that when they become adults, life is hard. Life is challenging. Life's going to hit them on the chin. And we need to set them up to prepare themselves for that through our guidance, through our techniques, through our stubbornness of, of not allowing them to do things that they, they want to do. Um, but it's just, it's, it's, so it's not an umbrella. You're not this umbrella, uh, kind of helicopter parent. You're, you're, you're just kind of protecting them from things that you know are out there. And I think that, um, you know, like you, you're talking about talking on the, on the gaming systems and stuff. I, I think that's a real issue, uh, because you're right. We don't know who they're talking to. You could be hearing, I'll tell you what, I know a guy right now. I know an individual right now that works with uh, the FBI, works with police, that talks to uh, other guys as a kid's voice to kind of, I guess, I guess you call it entrapment, but to trap them into um, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. And these, and these are guys that, that you're, you know, men that you're talking about that are, that are in this kind of this organization of just trafficking. Um, but he has a way of making him sound like a, a child and he's a grown man and he has kids and all that, but he works directly with, with law enforcement to, um, catch these criminals. And so when our kids, my whole point in saying that is that when our kids are talking on these gaming systems, um, you don't know who they're talking to. It may sound like a kid, it may sound like a kid, but it's really could be a, a grown man. And so knowing who they're talking to or not allowing them to interact on those types of things is, is, would be the first choice. Um, but if you're going to allow them to do that, have some parental controls around it um, to where you know exactly what they're doing, when they're doing it, and where they're doing it. Um, I think those are all important. And if, if uh, dads, if you work hard from a very young age, to have a, uh, a positive relationship with both your sons and your daughters that will carry you through that will, that will create the opportunity for communication. If you're just coming in hard as some hard authoritarian throwing the, the rule down without any conversation, none of us really respond too well to that at any age. Um, but those of you younger dads right now are about to be dads, you know, until about the age of, I don't know, five, six, seven, or eight, like you're an actual superhero in your kid's eyes. You're, you're a superhero and they got nothing else to do. They don't have a calendar. They don't, they don't have a phone. They don't have, they have nowhere to be. They're going to hang with you as you take them to the grocery store and the car wash, whatever. You're an actual superhero. Lean into that. Now we did a, a fun little thing with my kids that um, we did stuff all year long as best I could, but once a year with each of them, there was a father daughter getaway and then a father son getaway when he's, he was a little younger when he was old enough to do it. And we would talk all year long, like, what, what do you want? What are we going to do this year? You know, kind of thing and plan. And we took all the pictures, just me and my daughter. We were in Northern California at the times, like, you know, since she's five, let's go to Disneyland. That, that's like the, that's like the, the ultimate destination, right. For a five-year-old. So we drove down the two of us. We had the Disney tunes in the car, you know, we went to Disneyland for the day and we stayed in a little hotel somewhere. It's like, took all the pictures it's like a lifetime memory. Then the next year, what do you want to do next year? And so do those things, dads, build into your kids in a relationship and that will enable harder conversations later on. You know, they're coming. I promise you they're coming. And um, there'll be something to stand upon out of a relationship. And that's absolutely critical um, as you raise your kids. 
Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because it's super important to creating this kind of this trust environment with your kids. And that starts very young, too. Um, when you're um, raising up children, new dads, soon to be dads, keep in mind that conversations with our kids happen, start to happen at a very, very young age. And the more that your kids feel trusted to come to you and talk to you and share things with you, the easier it's going to be for them when they hit those rough teenage years and they're going through something really challenging. It could be something like, you know, maybe a breakup from a boyfriend or girlfriend. It could be something that they're, you know, bullying or something. It could be something like that that could be going on at school. Um, they're going to have this comfort, this level of comfort with you to come to you and say, listen, I'm just going through something right now. I really need your advice. I really need your input and really lean in. Like you said, lean into them and hear them. You don't have to provide all the answers to them. Sometimes kids just want you to listen, um, but provide the, the guidance or advice if they, if they're asking for it. I think those are important conversations to happen when they're younger so that way, when they do hit those rough years, um, it's much easier for them to come to you. It's something that my wife and I did with our boys. Listen, I told my boys their entire lives, I talk about it all the time on the show, but I told my boys their entire lives, you can come to me anytime you need to come to me and talk to me about anything, good or bad. I don't care what it is, whatever it is, I'm your teammate. I'm on your team. I'm going to support you regardless. And if it's something that you've done wrong, yes, I may be disappointed. I may be disappointed in what you did but that doesn't mean I'm going to abandon you. That doesn't mean I don't love you. That doesn't mean I'm not going to help support you through it. We'll figure it out, but always know that my door is open for you to come and talk to me and share with me your deepest, darkest things that you may be experiencing as a dad. That's my role as a protector for you. And, um, they, you know, my boys understood that and we had those kind of relationships. We've had tough conversations. We've had tough conversations of things that they did that they shouldn't have done. Um, and, and they trusted in that I wasn't going to fly off the handle. I wasn't going to abandon them. Um, I wasn't going to not love them anymore. Um, so they understood that. Uh, and I think that's important for us as parents to know that we have to have those conversations with our kids so that they trust us uh, when they're young, so that they trust us when they're older and go through these tough times. So really, really good advice. Um, I appreciate that. Alan, for my listeners, want to look you up, want to learn more about you. I know you talked about your website, but I want you to tag it all again, because I think it's super important. And if there's groups out there that you know of that, that support systems of maybe parents that have had their kids go through this, or no kids that have gone through this, or maybe for parents that are kind of, you know, lost and need direction. Um, let my listeners know where they can find you, your organization, your book, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Um, go to fightforme.net. And that's a little website we created where the book, the book is available on Amazon. You can just go right to Amazon, type in men fight for me if you want, but go to, go to that website, add one step, go to fightforme.net. And on there, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of resources and different things you could click and snoop around and just see what you can learn. Um, get the book. The proceeds are benefiting all the survivors that shared their story in the book. So get one for all the all the boys and husbands and fathers and uncles and neighbors that you have in your life. Um, you know, buy a case of them and get this book out. That's step one. It, it sounds a little self-serving, but I actually believe in this book and the content uh, incredibly high belief in this content for the book for dads to read it. 
Um, so do that. Um, Fightforme.net. Through there, there's a way to contact me. There's a you can, there's a contact button there, and, and you can send me an email. I'd love to hear from any of you as you're processing through. You have some questions. You're reading something. You're, you're troubled with it, or more information. Email me. I'll email you back. Um, and you can go to savinginnocence.org. That's the organization that I lead in Los Angeles. There's a handful of videos on that website to learn about this issue that we've been talking about. You know, of trafficking and um, there's a lot of other resources on that website. So those are the first two places I would go. Beyond that, um, you go down the little rabbit hole on Google. You know, this amazing little device uh, called the internet and Google. There's some good things to it as well. Um, and there's a lot of documentaries. There's a lot of, um, you know, articles you can read that will really help you, um, you know, fully understand what's happening. And, and that's what I would challenge men to do is step into this, take another step and understand it's not as far away as you maybe thought it was. It absolutely isn't. Email me offline. We can talk about that. Um, and I would say, it was just we've been talking about, lean into, guys, your role as dad and husband. You probably already understand that it's important, but I hope that you can understand that it might be more important than you ever thought it was because there's um, snares and traps out there and there's predators out there. I hate to ruin your day as you're listening to this, but there absolutely is. And I'm dealing with the tragic consequences on a daily basis. Um, you know, I thought of when I was raising my kids when they were little, and particularly my daughter, I thought about this. Um, you know, my kids are going to, they're, they're going to reach an age where they're going to have to make their own choices. Mm -hmm. And and my daughter may choose to go down a hard path that I'll be heartbroken over. That could theoretically happen. Mm -hmm. And same with my son. But it's not going to be because I wasn't involved in their life. That's not going to be the reason. There'll be other reasons if, if it were to happen. It's not going to be because I gave up my responsibility as a, as a dad and, a, and a, someone who's a showing appropriate affection and, and protection. Those aren't going to be the reasons why they were to go down a path and make bad choices. Like I want to check that box and I want to make sure that I'm not the reason. I don't want them in therapy 20, 30 years from now, complaining that their dad didn't pay attention to them and wasn't around and wasn't engaged and, you know, all those things. Um, and, you know, by the grace of God, you mentioned a faith-based home, ours was as well, by the, by the grace of God, my, my kids made 33 and 29 years old and they're out in the world doing great things and, and I'm proud of them. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you very much for sharing that. So guys, make sure, you know, you're watching this, listen to this, wherever you are, make sure you go um, check out his website, check out the organization, get the book, um, talk about it, um, share about the information, share it with your friends, share it with your other dad friends. And you know what, this is, this is, you know, my show, believe it or not, it's, it's not, it's not majority dads. I actually have 60% dads, 60, 40% uh, moms that listen to this show. So there's a lot of moms out there and this applies to you too. Talk to your, talk to your spouses, talk to your friends, let them know that this kind of thing is going on. This is an important topic. It's why we went long. I typically keep my shows around 30, 40 minutes. This show went longer because this is such an important issue that needs to be addressed. And so learn, get as much information out, out as possible, learn it, soak it in, and then educate. That's the other important thing you have to remember, education through not only your friends, but also your kids, educate them on, on these different issues that are going on. And it's not just, you know, sex trafficking, it's other types of trafficking that's going on. So educate our kids and teach them how to uh, be safe and be aware of surroundings. All those kinds of things apply. 
But listen, Alan, I know you're in Los Angeles. I'm in Southern California as well. I'm very close to you. One of these days, you and I got to link up so we can break bread together and um, talk about this more because believe it or not, I, I would love to be involved in your organization a little bit more. If there's ways I can help out um, other than just doing this show, if there's ways that I can help out in the organization, uh, let me know. You and I have a connection now. I consider you a friend and uh, I'd love to get to a chance to just sit down with you and chat with you more about it. I'm going to buy you lunch as soon as we can figure out the calendar and uh, we're going to take you up on all that. Awesome. Very cool. Um, well, thank you again, Alan, for being on the show, brother. I really appreciate it. I'm glad we got the chance to connect and I'm looking forward to our friendship. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Guys, listen, this has been another episode you've watched, listened to wherever you are of Dad Up. I really appreciate you. I appreciate Alan for joining me and sharing his kind of his mission and what he's doing and the things that he's uh, things that he's doing and the lives that he's changing. Um, this is an important topic, as I said earlier. Make sure you're learning as much about it as possible, educating others out there, including your own children uh, and your friends. Uh, but listen, I really appreciate you guys listening. Make sure you're um, checking out his website, get his book, all that kind of stuff. And also make sure you're subscribing to the show so you don't miss other episodes like this. Um, we always strive to provide information for parents to help their families be better and to help their kids be better and to help you as dads and moms be better. So I look forward to uh, seeing you all on the next episode of Dad Up. Thanks for listening to another episode of Dad Up. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and my YouTube channel. And do me a favor, leave me a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you to see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes coming up each and every week. Thank you for listening. This is data.